Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, getting into the cover art process. I'm Rose Capasso and joining me as always is Tim Letney. Tim, how are you? And have you thought at all about what your cover might look like if you had any control over it? Yeah, I have had broad ideas. There's one kind of scene in particular in my book that um, it's like an anticipatory scene, like a, a transitional scene yeah. where there's like graffiti on a wall, like mm. around a door. And it's like graffiti of like a mouth, like 1970s graffiti of a mouth over like a red door. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wouldn't that be a neat cover? But yeah. I don't know if anybody would buy that. <laughs> Maybe they'd think it was some kind of a cookbook. <laughs> cookbook. <laughs> cookbook of terror. Yeah. This is a, an interesting, another step of the process. And I had done a ton of research on this because of self-publishing. You've got you've got to do it all and you have control over all, all, all the aspects here. I did a little, little digging on you know, what's, what to expect if you go the, the traditionally published route. I think if you're a first time author, sometimes the publisher might take a little more control over like even the title and the, and the, uh, and the cover art. But I think it varies between larger, medium, you know, different, different size publishers and how involved the, the author gets into it. I'm sure if you're someone bigger, you've got some clout, you can, you know, I'm sure even at the starting, you can offer some suggestions, but for the most part, I think they all have their own art departments and groups that they'll outsource it to, right? So it's kind of great because I mean, not that I'm, I'm definitely going to get published, but I'm definitely going to query. Yeah. And um, I don't want to think about the cover at all. Uh, I, 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 it's I not part of, <laughs> I think it's because I've seen so many book covers over the years of varying degrees, degrees of quality. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some don't set up the expectation of what the book's going to be at all. Yep. And some oversell. I don't know. So I think it's a really delicate balance. How'd you approach it, Russ? Because you had a vision of what you wanted pretty early, right? I am a very visual person, so I, I enjoy this 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 thing. I lift this part of the process too. Uh, I'm not an artist, any like you know, sketching artist or like that. So I had um, uh, my cousin actually. She did all the artwork for me. Yeah, I had a pretty early on thought of what I wanted it to look like, and so my cousin. Uh, Casey Regan, she's you can go to caseyregan.com. She's a designer. Uh, she works at Nickelodeon right now. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. I was like, cool. I was like, so I put together like this, uh, what they call like a lookbook, right? And it's just, uh, I had like a color palette in mind. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really into like minimalist design. Uh, I like things to keep you simple. So I was going with that. I had, you know, color scheme I had in, in mind and just, just general sense of just keeping it simple. There's a picture of a satellite with some kind of mysterious, you know, you know, feel to it. Um, mm -hmm. So I put that all into this lookbook. I gave her even like the playlist of music I was listening to when I wrote it. I gave her like synopsis, you know, some major characters, who they were. Um, and uh, a bunch of other, you know, kind of a like Pinterest board of like design stuff that I liked. Uh, I put this all together for her center and she's like, oh, this is, this is awesome. This is really helpful. And then she just came up with like, you know, I think it was like 10 or 11 different concepts and we kind of narrowed it down and I showed people, got some feedback from everyone, getting a sense of like, you know, what would you think this, this story is? I think even for my beta readers, when I sent out to beta readers, I sent them like the cover art and then, uh, yeah. and the book, I was like, once you read the book, you know, does the, what is the cover art? You know, do you think, what do you think? you know, the themes or the book is about based on the cover before you start reading it. And then afterwards, uh, so it's kind of part of like that feedback process, but, um, yeah, as one of those beta readers, it was really nice to see different iterations of that cover Yeah, and to kind of like give feedback about what one, I mean, honestly, they all looked great. Like yeah. she's so talented that it was yeah. really kind of hard to choose. 
Yeah, yeah. But I think the one that you landed on um, is awesome. It's like a really strong cover. Yeah. No. I, so for all the feedback I've gotten from people, and it's funny, I was I was at the I was at a I was at the a brewery, local brewery, the other day, and I showed like a bunch of people are all interested, and they were like, "Holy smokes, this looks awesome!" And I was like, "Oh, thanks." I didn't do it, but um, so it's just exciting to to get you know that feedback. But it's one of those book covers that I would like put on a wall in a frame. Yeah, it's, it's, which they're it's, not all. Like we talk about it all the time. How sometimes yeah. it's just a silhouette of a guy yeah. with a gun <laughs> yeah. running down an alleyway or something, <laughs> like a drone or a helicopter over their head or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like I. So that was the other thing too. Is like you know we've talked about this in the genre expectations episode. You know, and and that's something I I was I'm cautious of, but I was also like you know what I want to do something a little bit different. I think I can still because it, it's not like a. I mean, it's a thriller. You know, uh, and there's a little sci-fi, I guess, in there, you know? Um, but I like the idea of just having something that one kind of stood out, I think, from from the mm. crowd a bit, uh, but also still kind of con- still conveys the mystery of it. Like, that's the whole point, right? It's there's it's a mystery yeah. that, you know, characters trying to solve. And, like, I think the cover really uh, kind of portrays that. Um, there's a little and hidden- it matters, right? Like, I think yours stands out, but it doesn't stand out, like, in a bad way. You know, as yeah. we've kind of dipped into this world of self-published authors, I think sometimes they either get their friends or they do the covers themselves yeah. and they're using fonts that just aren't used. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're using maybe like kind of AI touched up images, you know? Yeah. And um, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> even if the book quality, even if the writing is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you can't guarantee that somebody's going to want to open that cover or, you know, scroll to get to the words if you're, yeah, you're not doing your book right if you're not investing, I think, in the cover in the self-published world. Like you need to be yeah. very deliberate about it because we talk about first impressions all the time. I mean, it's the first impression. Yeah. Like uh, that and the title. Pe- people judge a book by its cover, right? <laughs> 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 what? So. Never heard that before. No, I think I think you're supposed that. to I think you're supposed to not judge a book by its cover, but I think you actually do judge a book by its cover. Unless you're a book. Unless you're yeah. a book. Um yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, yeah, that's definitely, it was the other thing too, is making sure that it looked professional. Cause again, a, a self-published route, like I need every step of this to feel professional needs to feel like it's coming from some big publishing house in a way, you know? And I think, I think I, I pulled that off. I mean, I have a professional artist doing the work, um, and the cover looks great and I'm super happy with it. And I don't think it looks, you know, uh, cheesy at all, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if you're, if you're on the route of self-publishing, definitely, uh, invest in finding a professional artist um some shape I think it's worth investing yeah is there are there i mean there are tools you can go you know you can use like canva or book brush and stuff like this but you got to be careful too because like you know you have to worry about licensing issues with like images and stuff like this and it's like you know eh. i'll tell you and i deal with it at work like my professional job all the time everybody thinks they can design and and they can to some extent but there's a really big gulf between a professional designer oh yes and you know a a canva designer yeah and and it's no offense it's just there's certain it's like certain spacing and letting and what fonts you're using and like they're educated in this and for for a reason it's a professional career and yes the tools have become more accessible where everybody can try their hand at it, but there's yeah. still just so much expertise in, in that area. Like, unfortunately not everybody is a designer. No. Uh, but yeah, I, some of the other things I, I did when going down this path was like, one, well, obviously looking at covers of books in my genre and, and finding ones that I liked. Um, I was really into to like the Dune, Dune reissued covers, where it's like mm. just this really super simple, you know, just, character in a desert and it just says doing on and obviously the, the the book sells itself already so the cover doesn't need to do that but it just looks really really nice 
Um, I don't know if that was the original uh, art design, but yeah, using, you know, finding, finding covers you, you already like, uh, and then definitely, definitely looking into like what genre you're writing for. I just feel like the thriller genre, like I know it's there for a purpose and there's certain elements you should include, but man, I don't want to see another silhouetted guy on a run running down a tarmac, you know, like, like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see that again. I mean, they must sell, right? They, they I mean, I'm sure they've got their silhouetted man yeah. template. Yeah. And they're like, that's a beach read. You know, you pick it up at the airport. Right. You know what right. you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a guy running with a gun. Yeah, and I think pulling all that together. Yours would be a guy running with a Coca-Cola. Yeah, wait. <laughs> yeah, that'd, be, that'd be my memoir. <laughs> oh, so I think for a memoir, that'd be a wonderful cover. Like yeah, if you just, if yeah. just, what are you running? Running with a can of Coke and like a beard. <laughs> Silhouetted. <laughs> Silhouetted. If you're if you're self publishing, you have total control over the cover. You know, thinking about the themes too, and I kind of touched on earlier. Like that was one thing for I wanted the cover to kind of convey this bit of mystery. Like mm-hmm. uh, I also have a little Easter egg in my in my cover design. If you if you pay attention, close attention, there's something in there, which I think is fun because that's like part of the story. Like should kind of sum up what what the the vibe and the feeling of of the story is. So putting a definitely a little effort into like the thinking about the themes that are there and then what 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 aspects that are in the story you can play up, you know, for the cover. Cause I think that's just fun stuff. Um, yeah. It was funny cause I think the first couple iterations of it, I was just thinking of the front cover and then I had read some article about like the whole book, like the whole front to back should be your canvas, you know, and making that art kind of expand across. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of a, I like that. <laughs> you know? So if you opened up the whole thing, you would see like this, maybe this big picture. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely one of the early on things I had thought about just because it helps. It's also fun to think about it and put that lookbook together and take a break from writing between revisions. And like, it kind of gives you like a new sense of like excitement about the book and the story. Yeah, um, that's cool. Some of the things I'm like getting into like the nitty gritty, like, that's kind of more conceptual stuff. Uh, and obviously work with someone who's a professional. Um, but like in getting the nitty gritty stuff, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm using uh, KDP, right? Which is Kindle, it's Amazon's um, self-publishing tool. And I'm using Ingram Spark. This like this took a lot of back and forth uh, between me and my my designer, my cousin there, and like getting the sizes right, like learning about paper type and quality mm. and the different color and like the trim size and like what size do I want the book to be? You know, um, hardcover like the jacket. Um, then like when you pull the jacket off, what's on the inside? And I was like, oh man, I haven't really thought about this stuff. You know, making sure I had my ISBN uh, ahead of time. So like Ingram Spark and KDP, they both offer templates you can download. So based on like the size of the book, six by nine or five by eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need your ISBN so it can print up the barcode for you. And you have to leave space for that on the back cover, you know. But then it was like, oh, we found these these templates that they have. And it's like, okay, I just punch in the ISBN and it, you know, some key things, page count, and then it gives you a template, like an InDesign template. And I just sent that to her. And she's like, oh, this is this is actually really easy. This makes it very easy for me to to just oh, good. move the images around and stuff. But it took a while for me to like put all that together. And it's, it's funny as many as websites as I've read, it's like, I, I couldn't, f- nothing, it, it just didn't click until I actually went through the process and made some of the errors. I was like, okay, now I get what I have to do. This isn't, this isn't hard at all. And also like for the hardcover, making their, making sure there's space for like the author bio and like, you know, headshot and all that sort of stuff. So obviously having like an ebook format, which is just the front cover. And the nice thing is, you know, these are all print on demand. So it's not too concerning when you can go in, you, you you plop, upload your images, and then you can order some proofs to take a look at them and make sure they're good, which I am doing tomorrow. <laughs> and as, you had to take in consideration, right, the um, 
font size based on the preview of how it appeared on Amazon? Uh, on, so I went on Amazon, I did like a Google search, or Google search, I did a search for, you know, thrillers, whatever, right? Their top 10 list thrillers. And you know how they do on Amazon, they've got like all the books, you know, the covers all listed out. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to this practice of taking the cover that I had and, you know, shrinking it down and then putting it like, as if it was a cover on, like it was, if it was a book on, on the, um, on an Amazon listing. And I was like, oh man, it doesn't stand out. Mm. Uh, it was like the design early on was like a little washed out and I was like, ah, okay, how do I fix that? So I talked to my, my cousin and then we were like kind of going back for some ideas and actually another friend of ours, uh, who's, uh, also in the design community, uh, she took a look at it and she actually did this awesome, like kind of breakdown, uh, and research for the cover. And she's like, oh, here's some tips. I think that would help like make it stand out a bit, uh, a bit more. Uh, thanks Laura. And, and I was like, oh, this, this, this is great. So I went back to, to my cousin, the designer, and I was like, hey, I think we need to make these changes. Let's make the, the title a little bit bigger, my name a little bigger in the bottom. I think the satellite needs to be bigger. I think it needs to be filled in too, so it mm-hmm. stands out, so it really pops on the, on, the, uh, on the listing pages. So that was definitely something to consider, definitely change the direction of, of what the cover looked like. So I mean, super smart of you to run that test, right? Something that I wouldn't have anticipated, like, what does this cover look like shrunk down next to other covers online, right? Because yeah. you're always picturing it, I'm guessing full size when somebody's got it in their hand or maybe right. somebody clicks on that, like, look inside. Yeah. Like, seeing what it's going to look like when it's a postage stamp or like something. A, like a thumbnail, you know, against like yeah. a bunch of other ones that are all in the same category. So, um, but I think uh, and the changes I've made, I think, I think it's going to help quite a bit. And it's interesting because like thinking, yeah, you have to think about all the different shelves that your book's going to be sitting on, right? Whether it be digital or physical, uh, where these thumbnails going to be. So like going on to like even Goodreads and Amazon, like just looking at what the other covers will look like and how they're shit laid out definitely will play a part in like, you know, overall design. I feel pretty confident about my book. Like if it was sitting on a bookshelf somewhere or stack somewhere, like the color scheme and the minimalism of it, I think would stand out amongst everything else. I feel like a lot of b- b- book covers these days are like beer cans where like, they're so confusing. Like the art's beautiful, but like, what is the damn book about? What is the beer? What is, what am I drinking? What is this? You know, you know, I was in the library the other day and I always go to like the, the discard section. The ones are trying to sell for like a nickel or a dollar a piece. Yeah. It is really hard to like look at a hundred books together. Everything's yeah. so disparate and like so oddly shaped and differently. Yeah. Like it's just, um, it's a mess. And obviously yeah. it's not very artful, but I'm like, I wish there was some kind of uniformity to this. <laughs> like, so I could actually, I didn't have to like tilt my head sideways and yeah, you know, take the book out. And yeah, I'm telling you, I don't love book covers. It's weird. I like love movie posters. Yeah. Yeah. But book covers themselves, it's pretty hard to find one that hits for me. Yeah. You know, and I think you're right to lean into that kind of minimalism because those are the ones that feel kind of classy and kind of mysterious. Yeah. Otherwise, it just feels like, I don't know. Like It's like a, yeah, it just looks like a complete mess. I mean, I literally, when I did this, when I was doing this research and the thrillers on Amazon, I was just like, they're all the same book. <laughs> I think they're all the same. I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think they're all the same book and probably they are, you know, in some shape or form. But yeah, it was just like, okay, uh, maybe I could do something a little different here. I don't know. And it also just, I can think it fit. I didn't it fit what I wanted to, to have come across to the book. So I also don't have like... I don't have that character that is like the Jack Reacher or the, you know, the James Bond. I don't have the guy who's the silhouette, you know, there's not, yeah. there's not that one character and I don't, I didn't want that because that's not what the, that's not what it's about. So. so yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun process, but definitely looking into like the, like if you're using Ingram Spark or Amazon or like that, they all have like these template generator, like uh cover generators and calculators that can help you figure out the sizes you need based on your page count and everything else. But yeah, there's a lot. 
there's a lot to, to to think about. And it was a whole other leg of learning and researching and looking at different paper qualities and like going to the books on my shelf and being like, well, okay, is this cream? Is this white 50, white 70? What is this? Wow. What's the paperweight? And like thinking about all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and we talked about comps, you know, in our last episode, did you have any book comps? Like, I'm sorry, book cover comps in mind is for your direction or no? Were you going for more of a because um, your cover feels, I don't know what it feels like to me. It almost feels like Asimov or something. It feels like yeah. kind of retro futurism. Yeah, no, the, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> um, it was, <laughs> honestly, it was Asimov and Dune, like the, those okay. covers. Like I went to the bookstore and I just, the Dune, the, I don't know if it's their new cover or whatever, but it's just very minimalist and it's got a similar style across the entire series. The, font, like, the font on that cover is awesome. Yeah. that Dune cover. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So hey, you know cool. the one I'm talking about, right? And it's yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I was just like, that's just a beautiful cover. And it just gets across everything you need. Again, of course, the book's been around since, you know, the 60s. So it's already established. So it can get away with doing that maybe. But, um, and a lot of Asimov stuff is, um, especially like the reprint stuff, uh, has like this really minimalism to it. Like, yeah, like that retro, retro futuristic minimalism, which I mm-hmm. absolutely love. So, um, yeah, if I had to say I had like, uh, cover art comps it'd probably be like the dune series and pretty much anything asimov so um i also like very like the old nat you ever see those, those nasa posters where they do um they're like their vacation posters for for like various planets oh um, yeah yeah I like, like those. i love that stuff so um i'd probably say that's that's another uh inspiration but that's been my 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 journey i think um i've learned quite a bit through 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 this this process and like already like the other two or three books i'm like toying around with, I already have ideas for, for cover art for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting, man. I'll tell you, I feel like I just, for my own, I just feel like I don't have room in my head to really yeah. even engage with <laughs> the idea of it. Like yeah. I'm not a designer yeah. at the end of the day. Like I, I don't even know if I would trust my instinct with a cover. No, I mean, you could at least, can you, I mean, there's things, you know, you like, so you can at least pull those elements together. You don't, I wouldn't, like I'm not designing this stuff myself, but I got a pretty good idea of the, the vision of what I want it to be, you know, and just have someone else execute on that. Yeah, the covers that hit when I was a kid, I always loved the Clive, like the old, like late 80s, early 90s Clive Barker covers because they were yeah. kind of minimalist, but they kind of felt a little subversive and like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be reading this. That kind of like yeah. mystery to it. Yeah. But for contemporary stuff, at least in the horror genre, I feel like whoever grady hendrix uses mm-hmm. for his cover design it's the same thing it's kind of minimalistic him and paul trembley kind of rely on photography sometimes but also like hand-drawn things mm-hmm. yep um that look great they're they're minimalistic that gets like the ethos or the vibe of the book across very simplistically whether it's like a yearbook photo or yeah you know one chair or something yeah it's kind of inspiring to hear you talk about the covers <laughs> and also so foreign because yeah i'm like but i i'm it's like i paint with words so my brain can't work with, with anything visual, visual right now <laughs> it's a good way to like refill the well too it gives you something yeah. to get excited about and it gets your brain working in a different way you know like i said i'm not i'm not an artist by any means but like i like element wise i know what i like and i know where things sh- should go I got a, got a pretty good sense of that, but the actual execution of it, like, I'm not going to trust myself to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I got a definitely a strong visual sense of like what I'm looking for and what I think would look good. And you give it a try and then you, you could experiment. But um, yeah, I really, I enjoyed the, the the creation process of it and working with my cousin. Um, and she's been That's absolutely, awesome. she's been absolutely awesome. 
Um, and she's learning too. And she's never done a book cover before. So she's like going through all the templates and like learning about like this, worrying about the spine size and all this other stuff. It was kind of like a, we're both trial and error kind of figuring this out together. But it's interesting how um, I'm obviously over the years cover art changes. You know, we all have our favorite books and then you'll see new versions of those books with new covers. Yeah. I mean, it changes the whole vibe. I mean, you talk about the new Dune book. I'm sure yeah. it's a, a lot different than the first cover was. Asimov's gone through so many changes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It feels so temporary. Yeah. You know, it's like what people who know how to sell will do in the moment. Yeah. And, and then 10 years from now, that cover and those suggestions will be completely different because something else will be popular. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen it with King books over the years and it, Dean Coons to a lesser extent. But yeah, it's just... um. It just feels very temporary in a way that movie covers don't. It's like they almost feel stationary and yeah. not too, too refreshed. Yep. But book covers themselves, you know, they every five or 10 years. I mean, geez, even reading um Colson Whitehead's something one station. Yeah, one. zone one. Zone one. Which is amazing. But there's multiple covers to that book and they're all bad, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some somewhere somebody somewhere loves those covers yeah but they're very different you know there's yeah. one that's like bright orange there's one that's kind of black and white uses still photography yeah but the vibe of those covers is like nothing about those covers any of them would have made me pick that up off of the shelf except for his name and it, so and i think that's another thing if you're an established name yeah you don't need to lean too hard into what it looks like. I was thinking about like Chuck Hogan and Del Toro's The Strain. Yeah. Their yeah. cover, at least before the TV series was out, was just their names. I was just going to say. And the book title. Yeah, because say, that's like, all you need. Like Tom Clancy and Dean Koontz. It's just like Koontz. Same, same with King, right? You just see King and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter, right? The title of the book could be like the next book you're going to read anyway. So just pick it up. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking over at my, um, my Texas Chainsaw Massacre poster yep. right now. And it's got a wonderful tagline. Yeah. Do book covers ever have, I guess tagline's wrong, slogan? Some, some do. 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 book covers ever have slogans? I think for the most part, no. But I've, I, I have seen, you know, like you'll have the title and it'll be like, yeah, there'll be like some sub kind of tagline or, or. I guess that's all for marketers, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe if it's part of a series there's... or something, you'd probably see that pretty often. But. Yeah. I can't think of any. But for, yeah. I mean, immediately for movies, I'm like alien. No one can hear you scream in space. You know, right. like, they, yeah. like the, that, that marketing kind of comes along with it. Yeah. Texas I, Chainsaws, who will survive and what will be left of them? What a wonderful <laughs> slogan. <laughs> it's pretty great. I mean, most of the times, the only thing you're going to see, like I'm looking at a couple of like these, you know, thrillers here and it's like, yeah, you know, no one was ever supposed to to to, see, oh, that. to be there. You know, stuff like that. It's like, okay, and or I guess it's kind of back cover stuff, right? Like, yeah, I mean, some of them are like, it only takes one lie to destroy a marriage. You know, stuff like that. It's like <laughs> the guilty husband. You know, so it's like you'll see. I think you'll see some of that stuff. Uh, uh, more often than not, you'll see more. You know, if you've got them, like the the pull quotes. You know, from someone famous being like. Right. This book, I could, I, I couldn't put it down. I had to throw it across the room. You know, New York Times. <laughs> oh man, I threw a book across the room, but not because I was excited about it. But yeah, I, I, some of them do. I think a lot of the thrillers lean into that. It feels like I'm trying to think of like sci-fi books that I've read. I don't think that I've, I haven't seen many taglines like that. But thrillers, I definitely have. You know him. You trust him until today. So you know stuff like that. What would Dunes be? It'd be like an acid trip of ecology. <laughs> <laughs> Fear is the mind killer. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That that's that's uh that's been that's how I did this. 
Cool, so, man. Well, hey, I love your cover. I can't wait thanks, for you to man. share it. I can't wait to buy multiple copies of your book. I can't wait and to hold buy- your cover in my hand. Yeah, I have to pay rent. So yeah, buy multiple copies, please. <laughs> buy my book. Yes, I will. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. That's it. What do you uh what have you been reading and watching lately? Anything, anything? I'm still finishing up actually just like I am at the probably it's sad. Probably the last five to ten pages of perfume, which I mentioned okay. in the last cast. Yeah. Um, which yep. I, it's still phenomenal. You know how we talk about act threes a lot and how yeah. sometimes when you're writing them, you kind of have a tendency to rush through them. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like that with this book, Really, you know, things were kind of going at this nice measured pace Yeah, and there's like the fun and game section where it was kind of ridiculous, but whatever, you know, and then the ending, it turns into like a broad overview synopsis. And I'm like, what's happening here? Like the narrator really? just popped out into omniscient third and is given like a, a historical overview of kind of what's happening in the, uh, like in that moment. And it's kind of crazy because what's happening Boots on the Ground is very thrilling yeah. and subversive and challenging. But the way that it's presented is so far removed from the emotion of it. Interesting. Um, which, you know, kind of lines up with the character, but it's even divorced from that character. It's so far from like a limited third. So it was weird. I was like, I like the content of what's happening here. Yeah. But I, the presentation is it's leaving me wanting to be closer to it and, and not so far away. And, and he wasn't hanging on scenes that feel like they deserve to be hung on like yeah yeah there's this like object of the main character's affection and he finally kind of attains this yeah and it's completely glossed over really like completely glossed yeah. over that's and it's inter- really interesting yeah it's kind of wild because I, I know we've talked about that too like the third act sometimes they, and there's a line between like oh okay if you ramped up enough tension throughout and now like the third act is kind of like relieving of that and you're kind of like moving a clip for the climax and it's like the pacing ramps up because you want the reader to feel like all right we're, we're moving here but there's also a line of like are you just rushing through it because you're just you're you're done with this <laughs> you know uh, he's a really talented author so I'm, I'm sure it's intentional but it just feels like like oh for like the majority of the book he hangs on like perfume making processes and you know boiling and reductions and yeah and so much detail and then like infatuation and stalking and it's so weird yeah. and then it gets to like this precipice of where things are going to happen and it just zooms out a thousand feet yeah. and it just tells me broadly what happened. And it's like, huh. are you giving me a synopsis of what you wanted to write? Or yeah. maybe you didn't want to, I don't know. I feel like I did that a lot through writing where I was telling myself the story and finding the story. And now through subsequent edits, I've kind of had to choose where I want to zoom in and, and pull out. Yeah. And this just feels pulled out. But like I said, I'm sure it's intentional, but it's just it did not meet my expectations and it is not in line with the rest of the book's approach, which is really interesting. Yeah. If it stands out that much, then maybe it's maybe it isn't on purpose. I don't know. Like it should be a natural kind of like ramping up. Right. Yeah. There's two parts. I mean, and it stands out for the wrong reason. Like there's the middle that stands out where the main character just isolates himself in a cave for years and just smells. He just lays there and smells. I'm like, okay, what's happening here? You know, it's kind of an interesting, like, was this going to be the conclusion? Like, was this a short story at first? And was this the ending? And then that transitions into act three from there. And I'm like, okay, that's an interesting transition to act three, you know, for being in five to 10 pages of some dude just smelling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why he like, I don't know, it's kind of ridiculous. Like wakes up is because he can't smell himself. You know, he's like, wait a minute, I can't smell myself. (laughs) 
I'm having an existential crisis. This I'm going to get is, back into society. I wish I couldn't smell myself anymore. <laughs> some, <laughs> some, some days. And you know what? That's the great thing about Zoom. You have no smell to me, Russ. Uh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I still, I really enjoyed that book. I, I think it's phenomenal. And then I'll probably get back into Broken Earth Trilogy after this. Nice. Oh, it took me many, many watches, but I, I started Peaky Blinders, which... um. I, I keep seeing pop up in misogynistic memes or whatever. And I'm like, oh, mm. is this worth watching? Yeah, Everybody yeah. says it's so good. And yeah. I've got friends who talk about it all the time. So it's not great it, how, from my perspective. How many episodes are you into? I only watched the first one. I was like, this feels like it's going to be a lot of work to get through this. So, Dude, so like that <laughs> first episode, which is maybe only 40 or 50 minutes, yeah. took me just this most recent time, three oh. watches to get through. <laughs> Not counting the time I tried to start it with Jill, my yeah. wife, before. Um, but, but then, you know, it does that kind of, you know, once you see the moves and, you know, the setups there, it feels kind of like a dumbed down Sopranos in a way, or okay. maybe like Boardwalk Empire, Yep. where like you start to see the play and the tension and, you know, the sleeper agents and whatever's had like the the structure of it. And it's like, oh, you know. I could watch this. And there are only six episodes, so I'm three in. So it's like, well, I could finish this. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, I mean, that sounds like faint praise, and it is. It's just kind of, so far, mediocre yeah. content that I think, for the time period it was released, was like, oh, my God, Netflix is doing original content. Yeah, yeah. So I can't, I'm not speaking wildly highly of it. Cillian Murphy is fine. I think maybe having Oppenheimer in the back of my brain has kind of got him on my mind again. Yeah, and Tom Hardy pops up in there too. I'm a, I'm a oh, Tom Hardy's Hardy. in there? Yeah, he pops up. Yeah, I, so... I, like, I like Tom Hardy. Anya Taylor Joy, she's oh, in there. Oh, doesn't Anna Taylor? Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe like as the Sam as Neil, it goes on. Right? Sam Neill, he's, he's in it for I don't know how long, but and he's yeah, he's in it so far. He feels like, um, very paint by the numbers his character it's there's no yeah. nuance yet to him yeah. he's just kind of a a foil yeah so um but anyway i'll lighten how it goes how about you what do you what do you read and what are you watching well actually quite a bit lately i finished that warrior's apprentice uh last episode i was talking about that one it was a lot of fun sci-fi uh space opery thing written by lois mcmaster bejold i think she wrote it back in the 80s it was fun um, I started this book, Children of Time, by Adrian Tchaikovsky, I think his name is, sci-fi uh, guy. It sounds like a Bee Gees song. Yeah, right? Children of Time. <laughs> I think it's Children of the World, and I've got it in my book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so far, I'm, I'm enjoying that. It's 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 just getting going. I just started it. Um, and he's got, it's part of like one of, like of course, a series of, of books. Um, I read Snapshot by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, it's like a novella. It's only like 80 or 90 pages or something. Um, I was gonna say you're blowing through books, man. Yeah, it was a good. Uh, it was a fun read. Uh, sci-fi crime, so kind of a little. Out of, I mean, he does write sci-fi so in fantasy, but it was a fun read. And then for watching, oh boy! So I rewatched uh, Dune, the first part, because I watched the new trailer. And I got all excited for part two, so I was like, "Oh, you watch the David Lynch one." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know how I Dune. <laughs> uh, I rewatched that, and man, that movie is just so awesome. It's um, good. It's so good. Just like the pacing for a movie that's like two hours and like 40, 30 minutes or whatever. Like I was like, man, this is just moving along at such a nice pace of like, and the way they did give you all this information, it's does not like over the expositions, you know? And they, yeah, uh, he's, I mean, he's the perfect director for that, uh, for that property. It's, it's so, so good. So watch that. Um, I did, I watched um, this series, the night agent on Netflix, which was actually pretty good. It was, it was a, it's a thriller um fbi i could secret, tell the night agent yeah fbi secret I could service picture stuff. the cover is it a it's, silhouette of a man running yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> it's 
she's got like a the secret service to get the white house and stuff like this uh, matthew quirk i guess he's uh writing these kind of thrillers but it, it was it was a fun show um it gets pretty uh complicated with its threads but um so there so. is a cover that just does have a silhouette of a man looking at the washington monument yep <laughs> come on guys so, we gotta we gotta we gotta mix this stuff up a little bit here come on like <laughs> i mean to lean into that a little bit i'm sure right just like for years in video games when they didn't talk or you couldn't see their faces i'm sure yeah. that they're the idea is that it becomes the everyman and that you can picture yourself in this heroic fantasy you know this power fantasy of being right, right. this all-star jack reachery type person yeah um but it still feels it's, a little rote to me just, you know, a little just, childish it's just so goofy like all these covers do the same thing and it's like hey i guess if that's if that works for you if that i mean that's the thing i guess that's the thing so i don't know um but yeah i watched that show that was good it was good um and then i watched the new indiana jones dials of destiny's child oh and how is the dials of destiny's child <sighs> okay so let's let's go let's work with benchmarks here it is much much better than kingdom of crystal skull really yes what if you cut out act three of crystal skull <laughs> uh i think it's still better i think it's still better um now you're that's saying a, james mangold is better than steven spielberg yeah, that's, i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna extrapolate that then <laughs> sure maybe i am it definitely it was fun um but again just like chris kings of you know crystal skull whatever that stupid movie was called uh the third act just gets so it gets silly it's just like this is silly what are we doing why yeah. we don't come on but then you look back at like you think of you know temple of doom you think of you know uh last crusade and like it, those were kind of silly too but not i don't know it's just weird it's weird how they're a little more they're a little more placed in maybe it's a cgi maybe that's what it is maybe it's a cgi like overuse you know over yeah. use of that where it's like back then it's like yeah there was some special effects but it felt a little more baked into like the, the real world you know um yeah, i feel like and I'm kind of surprised they didn't do this, especially because it's Mangold, who seems yeah. to use CG sparingly in some yeah. of his work, um, except for uh, the Wolverine, where Wolverine, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, but thinking about things that have been hitting lately, I mean, specifically thinking about like Cruz's most recent spat of like CG light movies like Top Gun or the Mission Impossible, where there is some spectacle. Yeah. Yep. You'd think they would have leaned into that, like, yeah, use a stunt guy, maybe like yeah. master Harrison Ford's face onto a stunt guy, but yeah. have the stunts be real to make the stakes feel like yeah. concrete. Yeah. Um, because I think that's why people are going to see those cruise movies. It's because it's not this overly re reliance on Fast and the Furious CG. It's like, yeah. oh, there's this, there's something about the scale of what's happening. That's that you Tom Cruise getting thrown off the off the building. You know, it's him actually yeah. jump. You know, so it's like I, I think like. Yeah, it just got a little silly, and I was surprised. You got to throw Harrison Ford off of a building. I know, and then we'd be all set. He's <laughs> eighty years old. Just throw him off a building. <laughs> so then, and and this isn't a spoiler because I, I mean it's it's in the trailer. But so they do like a, a bunch of de aging stuff, which actually looked really good. But you can obviously you know you can see it, and you're like, oh yeah, there's something a little. How they do the? I mean, they I still feel like they haven't conquered the eyes yet. How yeah, are the eyes? The eyes were actually really good. Um, and yeah, uh, it it was good. Uh, the thing that stood out though was like, but that's Harrison Ford's eighty year old voice. That's what I heard. I heard the voice was still old. So it's like, you're like, what are you doing? You go, come on. That's the, that is probably the easiest thing to fix. Like the de age of yeah. voice, like run through some AI oh, thing you got. I'm I wonder sure. why they didn't do that. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is standing out. Like it's, it stood out. Um, 
So, but I mean, it's a long opening sequence and it's great. It's a lot of fun. You know, you know that um, reminds me of, it reminds me of when they de-aged and they are doing it now in that secret invasion mm-hmm. show. But yeah. when they de-aged Sam Jackson and Captain Marvel and it yeah. looks pretty good and right. then they have him run and he runs like a 70 year old man. <laughs> It was like watching the Irishman and watching like Robert De Niro beat up someone like, and I was like, wait a second, that's an 80 year old man kick. So that's not yeah. like a, that's not a 30 year old, 40 year old man's kick. I've noticed that Sam Jackson's arch nemesis these days is concrete stairs. It's a really hard time walking up steps. <laughs> oh my God. The steps are what you foiled de- him. You got to de-age his legs a little bit. <laughs> get all these, get all these mother effing steps out of my mother effing way. <laughs> <laughs> that's a secret invasion we're being secretly invaded by steps everywhere yeah so I, that was yeah the third act got a little silly but it wasn't i guess it, it wasn't as bad as aliens uh, you know at the end of the movie in crystal skull oh sure um and crystal skull just theme wise that it was a little heavier and not as light-hearted as the previous indiana jones is that true yeah i mean it definitely was and like I'll say like Harrison Ford, he seemed like he actually showed up to work and it was great, you know? Yeah. Uh, awesome. And he, he was, he was into it and it was a, it was a good, like, you know, all right, end of this character is it's time for him to move on. Um, how was, um, the millennium Falcon? How was she? Phoebe, Phoebe Waller bridge. Oh, she's she, the, aunt, she's the computer in the millennium. Falcon. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. Uh, she, <laughs> she was great. Actually, she was, she was great. She, um, she brought, I like uh, her a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, she brought, a, uh, uh, kind of levity to the whole situation, and and you could see what they did. Was she like, like her flea bag character, or was she a different? Uh... Yeah, she kept looking at the screen and you know giving us <laughs> winks and nods. Like, yeah. I don't think this old man can do this. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, no. She was she was good. She was her own character with her own uh, flaws and weaknesses, and um, definitely stood out. And and are yeah. they franchising her? Is that the point? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's the plan. I don't think it is, but I guess they could, but it, it wouldn't be under the Indiana Jones banner. I mean, I think they'd want to, but um, obviously Indiana Jones is not coming back. I think this is it. She so. wasn't like, my name's not Ray. My name's Indiana and Jones. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm the last oh, Skywalker. God, no, thank God they did not do that. Um, but yeah, and you had some good, you know, the villains were great. Mads Mikkelsen in there, Boyd uh, Holbrook, who I guess Mangold must be a big fan of because he was in. Uh, yeah, how was Mads? Uh, Mads was great. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mads Mikkelsen as a villain is, come on, like, that's great. All right, I mean, that's our episode. I think that's, we're done. We're done here. That's it. Um, Share your cover. I want to see it again. Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'm going to get gonna... a tattoo of your cover. Nice. Put it on your back, your forehead. Put it around my chest. Yeah. So that's our episode. I think uh, if you've enjoyed it, share it with some people. You know, follow us on uh, Instagram at Writer Syndrome Books. We're still on the Twitter there at Writer underscore Syndrome. We'll also be on. We're there. Threads. Threads. We'll, we're joining we're, Threads, baby. I think we are. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> all right. Um, probably also be there as Writer Syndrome Books. Uh, and, you know, listen to wherever we are. We might be on YouTube soon, but. We'll see. What about Blue Sky? We're going to get on Blue Sky? You get Mastodon, that Blue Sky, all of them. Mastodon's we're, really difficult we're going, to navigate. We're going, we're going back to MySpace. <laughs> oh, I'm there. I still got Tom as my only friend. Oh, so so sad. Uh, but yeah, that's it. So next episode, what are we doing? We're um, Are we doing like your book is launched? I think we are doing my book is launched. We're going to break out the bubbly? Yeah, we're going to have champagne at 10 in the morning. Maybe we should do a... <laughs> Maybe we should do an <laughs> evening recording. Yeah, it'll be a short one. I'll make my books out. Go buy it. Love it. That's it. So I guess uh, until next time, just keep writing away. But don't keep designing your cover. Hire somebody to do it. Safety tip of the day. 